Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. A lot of technology can be quite self-serving to the organizations that design and develop things, but it's actually like, no, you're, you're impacting the human experience. You're impacting somebody's life. You're making it potentially better or worse by, by the decisions that we make. Traveling New Zealand, featuring and celebrating amazing women in tech all across the North Island and South Island, I came across James with Werewolf, and man, was he helpful in connecting me to the women in tech community in order to enable me to empower these incredible women to move forward. So just passionate about women in tech. My name is James Burns. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at Werewolf, the app for venture tourism operators. I've had the pleasure of working for a lot of really smart women and uh, both in tech and outside of tech. And it's just generally been my experience over the last 20 years that there's not nearly enough women's voices in leadership roles in in tech companies. And so I just think it's important that we have that sort of voice. Uh, Myself, I have two young daughters who today are four and six. And I wanna make sure that when they get to an age where they're ready to start their first company, that they have all the opportunity and support they need. Werewolf makes it easy for adventure tourism operators, everything from skydiving companies and bungee operators to jet boating and rafting companies to go paperless, to handle the guests from arrival all the way through departure, um, check them in through a really beautiful custom-branded iPad app, ask them a lot of key questions, take that data to build a customer marketing database. Werewolf was recognized by Deloitte in their Fast 50 Awards for this year as the rising star one to watch. And as we move to the United States, it's really important that we continue to capitalize on the kind of growth that we've experienced over the last three years. And we're doubling, tripling the size of company annually. Queenstown is the adventure capital of the world. Right, we have 150 plus adventure tourism operators just within a 10 minute drive of where we're sitting right now. Any activity you can think of you'd want to do, you can do it. Bungee jumping was invented here. Jet boating was invented here. I mean, there's so much that happens here. There's so much innovation around the adventure topic that we're really primed well to leverage that. And that's no better place for us to be based. Be sure to explore more about Werewolf at getwerewolf.com. That's G-E-T-W-H-E-R-E-W-O-L-F.com. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. We are in Wellington, New Zealand, celebrating incredible women in tech all across the North and South Island. And today I have Yvonne. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Now, just so everybody knows, we're sitting outside. What is this place? It's the Civic Square. It's the Civic Square, but around the sort of around the back corner of the Civic Square. Yeah. And Wellington, talk about Wellington for a second. This is a pretty cool city. It's different um, than the rest of New Zealand. Yeah. So I found. Yeah. Yeah. So Wellington um, is the capital of New Zealand. Uh, we're known for being small and compact. Uh, it's a very walkable city, as I'm sure you've discovered today. Uh, it's also the windiest city in the world. But today... is not windy. It's not windy, which yeah. is awesome. Yeah, <laughs> it's totally not windy today. Yeah. And okay, so go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and tell us a little bit about what you do. Um, so my name is Yvonne Teese. I am a, the service lead for user research at Assurity Consulting Limited based in 
Wellington, New Zealand, and Assurity is an IT consultancy, so we do a whole bunch of things like uh, user research, testing, DevOps, BA, Agile, yeah, and other services like that. And when did you first discover the world of technology? I actually had a career crisis pretty early on in my career, so I studied accounting uh, at university. I graduated from that, got my dream job at a nice big four auditing firm, uh, worked there for a year, uh, really decided it was one of those soul searching years in life, I think. Yeah, where, yeah. Yeah, you just, you just realize how, what a terrible mistake that you've made <laughs> and like, you know, what am I going to do with yeah. my life? And yeah. So, That's then, when you go shopping. <laughs> yes, a lot of shopping happened that year. Yeah, I would, I would go with that. But then um, the Assurity graduate program um, popped up. Um, one of my friends was working at Assurity at the time, and I sort of said, hey, look, what do you do? I know that you don't have an IT background. You do not have a computer science degree. How did you get in? Right. Yeah, and I started having that conversation. And so, yeah, I applied for the graduate program, and um, I worked for an amazing company that – sort of takes people from all sorts of different backgrounds. It's, yeah. it's about who you are and what you can bring rather than, you know, you know how to code. So that's how I ended up in a technology company. That's so cool. Yeah. And what kind of what kind of um, challenges have you overcome when it um, is regarding talking about code? When you're not a programmer yourself, yeah. how do you talk technical without being technical? Um, I actually think it's more important to be able to articulate yourself in plain English actually yeah. yeah um in order to communicate with developers it's often easier just to bring it back to like a really high level simplified way of explaining things and then you actually find that everybody ends up on the same page right you know, rather than trying to uh you know rather than trying to fake that I know coding you know it's yeah. just better to be like look I, I I think that this is how this works like what do you think and then everybody sort of just chimes in in conversations it's about communication yeah. and how long have you been with this company for over four years now. Yeah. And tell us more about the graduate program. I, it's the first time I've heard of something like that. Yeah. Um, what's that mean exactly? So a graduate program is, uh, it's actually quite a common thing in New Zealand. So after you finish university, or I think you call it college, yeah. um, you sort of look for your first job, right. essentially. And so actually at my previous organization, I was also part of a graduate program as well. And so you onboard with a company and you sort of get basic training. Um, for us, we get basic training in primarily testing because that's our main business and uh, service. Well, it was our main business right. and service line. Yeah, and it still is uh, in Wellington. And and also Agile and BA and um, you get a little bit of introduction to automation and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But, um, we do that for four weeks and yeah. then you are then put on like – client side to work for clients. Wait, so you're not expected to work with the company after going through their graduate program? Oh, yes, you are. You're a, um, you're a permanent employee. Yeah. How were you able to work with two graduate programs? So the, so my previous company, I was part of the graduate program there and I worked as an, I trained as an auditor and I went out on, you know, working in accounting yeah. and I just decided that that wasn't for me. Right. Um, and because I resigned sort of fast enough. Right, right. <laughs> I actually qualified for um, to sort of be included in undergraduate programs. Yeah. So because graduate programs usually take people that are sort of within a year or a year yeah. and a half of graduation. Yeah. And because I had only worked there for 10 months, I resigned and had applied for 
other graduate programs fast enough. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so where do you picture yourself in the world of technology now? Like, what's your role? How do you interact um, with it professionally from week to week? Sure. So um, I'm actually the Wellington service lead for user research. So I started my career in testing, so software testing, um, and then slowly became more engaged with like the usability of products, um, how users interact with services. And then um, me and a colleague, a really close colleague of mine, we built um, sort of, we started getting engagements and started building the service up from there. Um, and so I'm all about, you know, understanding the user experience, the usability of products and, and conducting user research and just talking to people, you know, and finding out what they think. What tips can you give us about the user research discovery process? Oh, ask heaps of questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, really try and understand, you know, what it is that people are wanting out of their products. But it's not even, you know, and I think we need to think beyond delivering value just to the client or just thinking about the optimization of a product, we have to actually think about the human experience as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When yeah. people engage in apps and websites and, you know, services. Is there a way to authentically scale user research? Well, that's a really good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think... Because the automatic is like, yeah, send a survey, but you can't, you no. don't get the same kind of data sending a survey. Yeah. So a survey is a really good way to get lots of data, but you don't get the richness right. of interacting with people. Right. Um, we do a bit balance of both. So we do a lot of face-to-face -face stuff. Um, so we do usability testing sessions. We do lots of uh, conduct interviews and, um, and we also send out surveys as well. So it really just depends on what the context is and what the right approach is. What do you think um, is the difference between email, like conversing through email versus uh, phone research? Oh, um, phone, you could probably detect a lot more of that human side of things. So it's, I guess it's sort of like if we could draw a hypothetical scale, it would be email, a phone, and then face to face, right? Yeah. So. Phone, uh, sorry, email is completely digitized. You're only getting what someone's written. The person has had the opportunity to kind of think about it, um, maybe fix their spelling mistakes, um, really recraft their sentence, think yeah. about how they're being perceived. Um, phone, you can you get a little bit more. So you probably hear the changes in, in tone and inflection. Yeah. You hear hesitation. Um, and then obviously your face-to-face, -face, you get that richness of reaction. Yeah. Sorry. And what's your day-to-day -day look like? If somebody wanted to apply for a job like yours, what, what should they expect? Oh, so um, my day changes all the time. So uh, at the moment, you're so it's a typical user research day or um, scoping out maybe in an engagement, we would go to our client. Um, they've expressed interest in doing user research. We discover what it is they want to find out. Um, we sit down with them. We work and workshop with them. You know, you know, what is it? Like what kind of user research would best serve right. this, this process? And then we go away and we do a whole bunch of planning and we might do around, if we're doing some face-to-face -face stuff, we might yeah. do some recruitment, which is always kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, and then we schedule in all the interviews. We get people booked in and then we go out and interview them. Obviously not all in a day. Yeah. But yeah. That's how my day could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, at the moment, um, like today, I've just been sort of looking at 
virtual reality and user research, which is an area that we've got a little bit of experience in and sort of just playing around with that and, yeah, see what, what we you, can do. What do you love most about your role? Oh, talking to people. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, yeah, we're doing that now. <laughs> like um, finding out what people think, uh, understanding the human experience is a yeah. big one. Um, what would you say is something that really surprised you about the human experience that you discovered in your research I'll tell you one thing that I discovered in doing user research for We Are LA Tech, mm-hmm. what I do back in Los Angeles, is there is no way possible I could acquire the data that I've gotten on how people discover We Are LA Tech from Google Analytics. Yeah. Like, it has all come from personal email outreach and phone calls. Oh, okay. Like, people, a lot of people discover We Are LA Tech via my speaking engagements. Right. There's no way Google Analytics would ever tell yeah. me that. Right. Yeah. So what is what are some of the things you've discovered that um, surprised you? Um, for me, it's actually how like just in general about user research. I think for me, it's a, it's about the impact that technology has on people's lives. Um, I don't know. Call me ignorant or something. But prior to me starting in tech, I was always like, oh, it's just so, so convenient. It's just added convenience to my life. And right. Things like that. But actually, technology has an incredible amount of influence Um on the world around us and yeah. people's day-to-day lives. Like from a, from a project perspective, you might be saving someone a second, which amounts to, you know, X amount of seconds over a really long period of time, which means that you've saved them, this company, like tons of dollars per year. But actually what is it that you've changed about that, that, that person's experience? Right. You know? Yeah. Like you might have, or like, what is it? Or I think for me, the biggest thing at the moment is, you know, what decisions are we making that could potentially make it a terrible experience yeah. for a human being? Totally. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Um, and and did you have tech in your house when you grew up? Like, was that something that excited you that was part of your upbringing? It's really funny. I We did have a little bit of tech in the house. Um, we had dial-up. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. <laughs> So when we knew nothing different, it didn't matter. No. Yeah. Um, so my exposure to technology was just the old classic, like pinball, yeah. Minesweeper. Yeah. You have mail. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Microsoft Word with a little um, paperclip man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the paperclip. I haven't thought about that guy forever. Um, <laughs> terrible word art projects yeah. at school um, within our household. Um, it had a stage because I grew up in the nineties. Yeah. It definitely hit a stage where research projects even at primary school so yeah um when you're like five sorry maybe when I was about 10 nine or ten right um we had to use start to use like are you familiar with like Britannica like Encyclopedia Britannica yeah. and Carter yes yeah so we had to start using that and we had to start using the scary thing called the internet and and I remember when we first got internet installed yeah. and waiting for this blue bar across, yeah. like the bottom of the browser to just inch along really yeah. slowly. And then all of a sudden it would stop. And my mum was on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. She'd pick up the phone and she'd sever yeah. the internet. Yeah, because it was dying. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. And you sort of just yell like down the house like, Mom, get off the So it's just crazy to see, think, you know, in the last, um, so like two decades, how far we've come, Yeah, you know, um, it was really funny. I remember, you know, in high school and like 
the 2018 yearbook when my friend was head boy and he wrote a piece about yeah. how people, you know, like, oh, back in 2013 when we first started high school, uh, sorry, 2003 when we first started high school, um, we would, if someone said to us iPod, we'd think like, oh, it'd be like a crazy house or something. Yeah, yeah. But then in 2008, we were all like, like, clinging on to yeah. these musical devices because we thought that was so cool. And yeah. now it's like, it's part of our phone, you know, yeah. so you don't have to think about that. I look around, yeah. you know, when I'm walking and traveling through through all these countries and it's crazy that just everybody has their phone with them all the yeah. time. Yeah. And they're always like touching it or looking at it yeah. and or something. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> it, it, it actually is. Yeah. Um, I... Yeah, I mean, it, it's you. Technology is ubiquitous. It's at that point where yeah. it's literally everywhere. And you go into a hostel, and everyone instead of talking to one another is just staring at their phone. Yeah, it, it's actually really sad. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a big thing for me working in technology is like how much influence we have. I mean, yeah. if we sort of think about the different um, sort of like the industrial revolution. Yeah. Like we're kind of in one at the moment. Probably yeah. we just don't talk enough about it. Like we're actually changing. We're actually physically changing people's postures. <laughs> that It's so true. Right? Like, yeah. So I have this image in my mind um, and I've actually never sketched it out, but I probably should. But you yeah. know, of like Darwin's sort of evolution. Yeah. But I, I'm, I'm pretty sure someone, some pop cult yeah. artist has done this but yeah. you know when like we're actually hunching back down again <laughs> no you, know? you need to create that yeah. that's that should be I'm yeah I'm sure somewhere like somewhere I think there's one where someone's got like VR goggles on or something yeah. but I actually think like we're actually you know because no. the youth have all these posture issues now like don't you think that we're sort of like actually creating the next iteration of that? Man, yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. I when you start talking about revolution, I actually think we're moving into a phase where um I think it's the very very beginning but where people are um rebelling against the online connectivity yeah. and um they're attempting to shift to become more connected offline again, but because we're literally addicted to technology yes. like there are chemical things happening in our brain yeah. that it's it's like doing a drug oh yes, um, yes it's really hard for that to be a quick you know shift to be offline it's it's really tough yes. it's yeah it's you literally have to break a drug habit to be yeah. offline now <laughs> oh our um our physical modem at home broke down like two weeks yeah. ago and we were we had no internet at home yeah. and and Data in New Zealand is very, very expensive. Yeah. So, um, all of a sudden, we had no. Is that why I have to pay for it everywhere? Yeah. <laughs> it's so crazy. I'm um, like, I'm not used to this. <laughs> yeah, and so we had all of a sudden we had no Wi-Fi yeah. at home, and it was over the weekend as well. So we spent a lot more time at home. Yeah. And I think that was the moment where I realized like what was actually important to me in life. Yeah. I'm like I, you know, even though I, I felt like I needed something. I'm yeah. like, I actually don't need this. This is ridiculous. Yeah. Like, go outside, go for a run, go for a hike. Yeah, you know? totally. <laughs> totally. Yeah. It's crazy. And it, now the world is so, so in 2013, I traveled for four months without a computer or phone oh interviewing gosh. startup companies. Like I interviewed SoundCloud, wow. but I had no computer. People are like, how do you interview these large tech companies and have no tech on you? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. I'm like, well, you know, yeah. I don't make sense in general. <laughs> um, but, but it now we have Uber, right? Yep. How, how did I get here today? My bags are really heavy. I got off the flight. I I found the airport flyer by myself, the shuttle. Yep. But then I get 
to like really close to the hostel where I'm staying. Mm -hmm. But my bags are really heavy. And so I pull out my phone and I use the Uber or my banking. Yeah. Or, you know, like finding booking my hostels. Yeah. Uh, uh, what is it? Agoda or Hostel Booker. Yeah. Like I just, the phone is so integrated into everything. Yeah. Now. Absolutely. And it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, I've been reading, I finished this really like phenomenal book by a, a influencer that I really, really respect. A user. Recent. What name? Um, her name is Sarah Walker, Watchster Batcher. I know because I actually listened to her being introduced at a conference. Yeah. <laughs> then, and how it's phonetically spelled. Yeah. It looks completely different totally. to how it's said. Um, yeah. So she's, um, she wrote a book. She's written two really influential books in, in our industry. And one is called, um, she wrote with Eric Meyer called Design for Real Life. But the one that I read was called Technically Wrong. And it's about toxic technology. Oh. And it is such a phenomenal read. Technically wrong? Technically wrong. Okay, and you guys will include it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah. it is phenomenal. Like, it is... I want to check that out. It's it, it was one of those... So I've had a few, like, massive jaw-dropping moments about, like, technology and yeah. life and human experience yeah. and stuff. And that was, like, another sort of, like, nail in the coffin of, like, we in technology, we have such a ridiculous amount of influence. And yeah. we're doing it... We're doing it wrong. We're doing like society wrong in so many ways. Well, like, what should we do? Um, like everything. No, we, like build build empathy in. You know, yeah. Build empathy in from the beginning. You know, it's a lot of technology can be quite self serving. Yeah. To the organisations that design and develop things, but it's actually like. No, you're you're impacting the human experience. You're impacting somebody's life. You're making it potentially better or worse by by the decisions that we make. And I think certainly um, as someone who comes from testing or um, even as a user researcher, as a member of the team, you sort of stand there and you're like, oh, yeah, project deadlines and, and um, process and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And it's like, no, like, you know, we have to be better, I think. Totally. So, it, it's such, it's, yes. Yeah. I want to read that. Go like yeah. totally recommend it. What tech tool? It could be anything. It could be yeah. a personal mobile app, professional, a website, mm-hmm. software. What tech tool is your favorite? I'm sure you have many, but one of them. It's a really good question. Okay, I as a user researcher, yeah. I love Optimal Workshop. Optimal Workshop. Yeah. What's so, that? They're a New Zealand-based company, actually, okay. and they design user research tools. Okay. So they have a surveying tool. They have a tool for doing interviews. Cool. So capturing sort of you can sort of hashtag themes out. Really? And stuff. Optimal. Yeah. I should check that out. Yes. I do a lot of. <laughs> that's funny. Of course, I do a lot of interviewing. Yeah. I host a podcast, but I mean, within my company yeah. in LA, yeah. I do a lot of interviewing of our customers yeah. or potential customers yeah. to to build a product that adds value to their life. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, it sounds sounds like, yeah, of course. But sometimes I think as entrepreneurs, we get so in love with our own ideas yeah. that we like forget to build it for people. We just start like building sure. whatever. Yeah. I highly recommend. And they've yeah. got um, sort of inf- information architecture tools. So you can do like tree testing. You can do card sorting as well. Nice. Um, or digital. And you can send it out to a whole bunch of people. Cool. Or you can do it in person. Like, it's a phenomenal tool suite. Um, and you'll send it to me and we'll include it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Perfect. How can people connect with you and find out more about your company? 
Um, so they can contact me via LinkedIn. Um, can you spell your name for everybody and yeah. your Twitter handle? Um, so my Twitter handle is at one, uh, Y-V-O-N-N-E-T-S-E. And the number one? Yeah, the okay. number one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And LinkedIn? LinkedIn is, oh my gosh, I don't Oh, no, I my... mean, can you spell your first and last name oh, for sure. us? Oh, yeah. sure. My first name is Y-V-O-N-N-E, Yvonne, and my surname is Tess, T-S-E. And, um, and your company? My company is Assurity Consulting. Yeah. And uh, the domain name? Uh, www.assurity.co.nz. So that's A-S-S-U-R-I-T-Y.co.nz. Perfect. And for those Americans listening, NZ is NZ. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I, no, I want to start saying Z now. I want to start, yeah. you know, I want to pick up on these little things yeah. like, like sweet as. I don't even, what does sweet as mean? Sweet as? Yeah. Oh, it's just another way that we say, actually, it's a response to almost everything. Yeah. So sweet as being like, um, oh, that's cool. Like, oh, or let's go meet somewhere at five. Oh, sweet as. I'll see you there. Yeah. <laughs> or, um, almost, yeah, just anything that you would respond to, like, oh, that's okay, that's cool. You're saying it, sweet as. And it's S W E E T A S. Space A. Yeah, it's so sweet funny. As. Yeah, I need, I need to. Do you hear it everywhere? I do. Yeah. Yeah, sweet as. But I don't hear it as two words. It's just kind of like this. Sweet as. Like, yeah. yeah, sweet as. I'm like, okay, it's not actually words. It's like a thing. It's like slang. Yeah, <laughs> it is slang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much no. for hanging out with the Women that's in okay. Tech podcast. One last question before I yeah. let you go. What is one huge challenge that you've successfully overcome and what did you learn from it? Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You're like life. (laughs) I have overcome life. (laughs) Um, I think for me, and I'm to be honest, I'm still overcoming it. I wouldn't say that I'm totally over the hill. Confidence in, in working in technology when you have, you start in a background that is not technical even in the slightest. Yeah. Um, and embracing the fact that the skills that I have as a human being, like uh, communication facilitation and like a willingness and curiosity um, to learn has served me incredibly well in my technology career. And, you know, you just, you don't have to be a, a coder. You don't have to be a developer yeah. to be successful in technology. There there are roles for, um, there are roles for everywhere, you know, that you don't have to learn how to code to do and to be great at. So I think that for me is, is a big one. I love it. I thank you. I appreciate the vulnerability of you sharing that. Oh yeah. We were talking about it a little bit off the record before we started, how a lot of us deal with, I mean, me too, Mm -hmm. um, deal with confidence issues. And so I appreciate because I think that uh, everybody listening right now, that's going to help like a lot of us move forward and be like, Oh, we're not alone. No. um, (laughs) Yeah. And I, I didn't know, I think I had this sort of thing when I first started that my testing career that I, ha- I had to learn how to code. Like I, in order to succeed, in order right. to be great at this, I had to learn how to code. And I, I did learn enough to survive at different client sites and be successful there. Right. Um, but it wasn't, a, it wasn't a must, right? you know? Yeah, and yeah. I think I would tell, you know, four years ago, I'd tell myself, stop sweating it yeah like, yeah 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 you know it's if it's not your thing it's not your thing yeah and um i haven't decided whether it's my thing or not but <laughs> yeah 
Well, thank you, thank you, thank you for sharing your story. Um, If you guys want to connect with more incredible women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. Takes you straight to the Facebook page that or Facebook group, womenintechvip.com. And then you could say hello to Women in Tech at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And I will talk to you guys, see you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. My name is Spree Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. The Women in Tech podcast is an independent production funded by you, the community. To support Women in Tech, if you believe in the vision as much as we do, please consider going to womenintechpodcast.com. That's womenintechpodcast.com and just click on the contribution link to keep this podcast going. Thank you. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.